Are online review sites helping or hurting your furniture and mattress store sales? We will discuss with my friend Jeff Janakovo on this week's episode of The Pete Primo Show. Jeff, good morning. How are you? Good, Pete. Thanks for having me on this uh, inaugural episode of The Pete Primo Show. Happy to be here. Well, I'm glad you're here too. And I'm trying to recreate me and you watching uh, the Bedden Conference with with Mike uh, Magnuson's presentation. He brought a lot of good things to light. And I kind of want to uh, show show everybody kind of what we were seeing. And uh, Billy, could you bring up S1 for us? So here you see the market share. Uh, for the online market share. And for some of our retail friends that didn't know it was already between 22 and 25%, um, there it is. And yeah, some scary numbers. Um, numbers that yeah. Mike had presented, I don't know, three, four years in a row. And our industry and they, kind of seemed to be asleep at the wheel on it. And, and now it's come to a head as far as I'm concerned. And uh, you know, Pete, it's great that you're bringing this forward in your media. I've been doing it in mine. And, um, you know, it, 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 it's the reason this is the inaugural show, I think, right? Because it's, it sure uh, is. it's very important for Main Street retailers who sell mattresses to be paying attention and uh, understand the, uh, the headwinds that are coming at us. And they are significant. Um, could you guys bring up uh, slide two for us. This kind of hit me over the head, uh, Jeff, when I when I saw this and I saw, you know, how much uh, they're coming into uh, retail now. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we all knew going back six years ago, um, seven years ago, when the first early leaders of the online direct-to-consumer mattress industry started coming out and they said, you know, it's silly to buy a mattress in a store, all of this stuff. I mean, we all knew it was, it was the, the audacious uh, statement being made just didn't make a lot of sense. And, you know, in copywriting 101, marketing 101, uh, statements like that proved to be uh, well converting solid statements that you know people who are marketing and creating messages go back to so these companies built themselves on these ludicrous statements that we as salt of the earth uh, integrity filled retailers knew were just you know they were an affront to everything that we are as merchants as store owners as members in our community and you know to our credit if you're still standing we fought on and we have to continue to fight this fight but you know um Pete, we both saw something, and I guess we're going to talk about it a little later in the show, but we both saw things that we didn't like that have really accelerated this problem. And if we yeah. don't begin to address it together as an industry, and when I say as an industry, um, I'm saying as a retail community, because if it doesn't matter to the retailers, the manufacturers aren't going to care about it. If the retailers aren't making a stink about it with their suppliers, um, ISPA is not going to care about it. ISPA hasn't cared about it. And that's a damn shame because there are uh, legal uh, governing body and connection to uh, the government and trade commissions, which again, we're going to dig into some things later that are a direct affront to legalities of how things are marketed and advertised and promoted. But, um, yeah. you know, these guys getting into brick and mortar, these guys all coming around to multiple options. It's all things we knew all along that needed to be part of a successful mattress retailing playbook, but they had to, they had to wedge in, right? They had to create this, this one beachhead and they did it saying that, you know, your customers, Pete, and people like me are terrible. And, right. you know, some of that was earned. Some of our, some in our industry earned that you know, being thrown on their back. Um, but by and large, I think it's, you know, that's a statement relegated to the large chains of the world uh, and not the Main Street retailer who's out here 
as a member of their community, just you know, looking to provide for their employees, uh, for their partners, for their families, for their communities. Uh, just not the case. So, you know, the last part of what you, the last part, sorry for cutting you off. I'm good at that. And you're very forgiven. So, uh, community is, you know, when the local, whatever charity is raising funds, they don't go online. They come to your store, Jeff, and they ask you and Ben for a donation and you guys always answer the call. And, uh, you know, they, these online, uh, merchants call them merchants, um, you know, do not participate in the local communities. So sorry for cutting you off. What else do you have? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, on, on that note, that's, and, and Mike, um, Mike Magnuson, the owner, the founder, the creator, good bed, um, f- really feels the local community or I'm sorry, the local mattress retailer can uh, can win on community, being a part of their community. So as retailers, we have to uh, accept that and really do something with it. You know, we can't just say, well, shop local because we're local. You know, what are the things that you're doing to provide for your community? What are the things you're doing to give back for your community? Um, in my business, we have a, a ongoing perpetual food drive. We ask our customers to to get us at least one non-perishable food item. We collect that on delivery. Ben and I make matching donations monetarily back into the community each month. Whenever we're called upon to support the community, we find a way to say yes um, across a number of different ways that we do that, whether it's you know donating bunk beds to kids in need that don't have a place to sleep, to uh, kind of doing uh, reach out with local Make-A-Wish, uh, getting kids in front of a baseball stadium to sing the anthem. You know, we use our platform to really support the community that supports us. And I think that's important that retailers, you know, walk the walk, not just talk it, right? Words and actions. So yeah. community is important. And uh, as we kind of move on, I'll share a great statement, something that retailers can take away from this show as an immediate action point with Black Friday coming up. You know, you need to bang the drum. You know, Amazon online won't support your kids' baseball team. Local merchants will. Local retailers will. And I'm not sure who first brought that to our community. I think it was Trent Ramberger to give credit where credit is due. I'm, I think it was him. Um, Actually, I think it was little Trent. I, I'm really getting tired of Trent stealing little Trent's material. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think, I think, uh, Big Trent has a hand in what little Trent has to say, literally, but, uh, um, <laughs> but either way, um, credit where it's due there. So, you know, action point number one from the show is, look, you got Black Friday coming up, a uh, big holiday for our industry. It's turned into a big holiday. We're, as we're recording this show, we're one day removed from what once was a large holiday in Columbus Day weekend. Now it's just kind of a thing we do. But Black Friday coming up, I mean, a, a big uh, beachhead to take control of is letting people know you support the community, you're here to be in the community, and the big online guys aren't going to do that. And that's important. And I think a lot of people connect with that. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, my very first gut punch in Michael's uh, presentation was video clip number one. If you guys could pull that up and play that, I think Michael does a great job with this. So I'm just going to let it play for a couple minutes and then we'll, we'll jump in. In terms of the reason for that, I think it's really um, important to share a little context here. Um, this is a, uh, some data that we collect from our readers uh, where we ask them if they would like to try a mattress in a store uh, before they buy. Um, and We've been tracking this since, as you can tell, uh, the third quarter of, of 2015. So just about a year after Casper launched. Um, and what you could see is, uh, and by the way, the orange line is just the kind of inverse of the blue line. That's why they look like mirror images uh, because they are. But the, uh, the, the orange line is basically people who say uh, that they are willing to buy without trying in a store first. And, um, and what you can see is that it rises sharply in the early days uh, when Casper was uh, relatively new on the scene still. And in fact, if we had started tracking this previously, uh, you know, prior to going back to before Casper's launch, 
it would have probably started close to zero. Uh, I mean, certainly in the single digits. So this was a very sharp rise uh, as the DSC kind of revolution uh, took hold. And, but it really started to uh, plateau around the beginning of 2018. We just saw that, it, that there was a, a hard point of resistance at about um, at about 43%. And, uh, and that started, they hit that number in about uh, early 2018 and it really did not budge. And so uh, what you started to see was for, uh, during the 2016, 17 and 18 timeframe, there had been a lot of new brands coming into the market. And it was around the time that we hit this point of resistance that we finally started to see attrition in those brands. Uh, there was just no way uh, without growth in terms of the addressable uh, customer base for a new entrance to be uh, uh, to, to flood in so, uh, with any success. Um, so, but the other thing you started to see is that these bigger brands started to realize right around the same time frame, they started to realize that they were reaching this, this kind of point of resistance and that if they were going to maintain their, uh, their big growth rates that they had uh, promised investors and, and become accustomed to, they were going to have to find a way to uh, cater to those remaining 57% of the people who, who do really want to try it before they buy it. Um, so that's really when they started laying the groundwork for their brick and mortar plans, which, which came to fruition, uh, which started to come to fruition mostly during 2019. So that was a scary number, that 71% on April 20th. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. 71% on April 20th. Um, that was the spike. Oh, right. Well, yeah, when obviously in the middle of COVID, right? Which I think yep. throws throws everything out the window. Uh, COVID is the, you know, is a, is a reset moment in our industry. Um, and it was equal to all. So whether you're the smallest of the small or the biggest of the big, everybody had to address it in the same fashion, which I think was a blessing as much as it could be, right? It sounds kind of silly to say right. that, but um, right. it was a reality that everybody had to address it differently. So the, yeah, sure. The online guys, you know, um, were, I guess, set up for that. Um, but I don't think that that ultimately... Um, you know, totally uh, puts our industry on its head, right? Because we saw the numbers leading up to that. There was a point where people just said, you know what, I need to, I need to try this. I need to have the experience for myself. Now it's on us as retailers to deliver that experience. And we'll talk more about that, I'm sure. But, um, yeah. you know, what I see happening with the online companies now that we're five, six years in, you are definitely seeing people who are two, three, four years in on their mattress, they're disappointed, it's no longer working for them, and they're moving on. And some sometimes they move on to a different online brand. But what I think is happening with the online mattress industry is kind of what people, you know, they have the same feelings about the futon, right? They had a terrible futon in college. It served its purpose in college because they needed extra seating, extra sleeping for the parties. Uh, they bought the cheapest thing that they could because they didn't have any money in college and it served its purpose. But try to get somebody to buy a futon now without doing some work to open their eyes to the current possibilities. Um, they're going to swear that futon off. And I think the same thing is happening now in our, I'm seeing it in my stores where you've got people coming in, they've tried that mattress out, uh, they've tried the online thing. Maybe they've tried it twice or, you know, more times because they've done a quick turn on a trial. So they've had one or two they've kept beyond the trial, six months to a year or more. And they've just kind of had their fill, right? They're, they're, they're done with it. But what they know they don't want to go back to is that terrible experience that led them down the online road in the first place. So it again right. goes back to the experience, right? It again goes back to how we connect and showcase we're not the people that, you know, look, if the online industry is what, 23, 24%, whatever that number was on the first slide, you know, that's a few billion dollars. And if we amateurize, these guys are spending 20% 
you know, there's $600 million being put into, yeah, there's the slide, right? So just above 20 some percent. So there's $600 million being put into consumer advertising that in part says independent mattress stores, Main Street mattress stores are terrible, terrible experience. Right. That's a tremendous yeah. upwind, you know, uphill headwind type battle. And as soon as we as retailers begin um, going down the road to anything that looks like or feels like that bad experience, it doesn't bode well for us. So sticking with experience and exceptional service, exceptional products is, is paramount. It, it's one of the, you just can't step back because you take that one step back, that advertising pushes you over the cliff and you're done. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. where I see it. Jeff, I, uh, I jumped on my notes. Um, can you guys pull up video clip number two? It's a quick two minute video and. You'll see where I got my, my comments from, Jeff. We all know the world has changed since January. Um, and we've seen it uh, in many ways, but we also see it in this very data. What we see is that in, 20, uh, in, in April of 2020, or starting in March, obviously, but in April, it literally spiked up to over 70% of people saying that they're that they're willing to buy without trying in a store, um, which is just a radical, radical change, as you can see. I mean, we had really gotten to the point where it was going to be generational turnover that was going to drive, you know, any incremental change in this graph. Uh, that's how slow it was looking. And then all of a sudden, we went from 43 to 71 in the span of 30 days. Um, so uh, what we can say, though, is that it seems to have settled down. Obviously, it has definitely come down. Um, and um, I'm just trying to move my uh, Zoom panel so I can actually see my full screen. Um, there we go. Um, and But where, where it has settled down is at about 53%, so a full 10 percentage points higher than it was pre-COVID. So whereas we felt like we were kind of locked in at this 43% ceiling, we just took a, a step change. Um, and now who knows if this is gonna hold, uh, this 53% number uh, is gonna hold you know, indefinitely. Could it rise further? Uh, should COVID um, you know, take another turn for the worse? Could it settle back down a bit more? Should things improve more quickly? We don't know, but I do think it's interesting to note that it has been pretty consistent uh, for three months now, this data goes all the way up through August, probably 18th. We just pulled it uh, a couple days ago. So it's very fresh data. Um, so I just think it's interesting that that has been some, there has been some consistency around that 53% number. Um, so given this, uh, I think it's also, by the way, it's worth noting in this graph that symbolically, uh, the fact that the lines have now crossed and that there is now there are now more people who say they are uh, willing to buy without trying than there are the other. Uh, that that I think also has some symbolic interest. The fifty three percent number scares me more than the seventy one percent number, Jeff. On that one. Well, yeah. I mean, listen. I, I you know I'm not one to you know make a life change on based on hysterics, right? So that 71% number in April, that's hysterics. It's, you know, we were, the entirety of the world was in a new position. We're not going to debate the merits of COVID on this show. It doesn't matter. We were all reset button hit. We were all within it. And that was the reality. My business was shut by order of the government. Many others were. So customers couldn't even shop in a store if they wanted to. So that's just the reality of what that April 71% number means. Going back down to 53%, see, I see hope in that number because in mid-July or early July, you know, you still had some portions of the country shut. Pennsylvania was only open for, I don't know, 10 days a week at that time. Okay, so to me, I see positivity in that quick, you know, as quick as it went up, it's, it came back down. And I, and I would love to see what 
removed from August betting conference, I would love to see what the number looks like now. Maybe that's something as a follow-up. We can uh, we can ask Mike. I mean, I have a direct connection with Mike, and we can ask sure. him where where that number has come back down. My guess is, based on what you see with your customers, Pete, the demand that's out there, the demand in our business, my guess is that number's come back down uh, to that to um, to closer to that forty three percent number. What I would say is, if it's if it hasn't, and I wouldn't be surprised if it hasn't, but let, let's say it, ha- it, it hasn't quite come down. Let's say it's at 48, right, in the middle. That's something that is just going to be a result of COVID, right? There, there's, it took right. 15 years for the internet to gain the market share that it had. It's going to take a year for it to grow by 30%, okay? That's just the reality of COVID. So you can decide as a sad sack retailer, you're just going to whine and complain about it, or you can do things in your business to up the experience to move away from anything that smells like, talks like, walks like that bad shopping experience that brought us to this point in 2020 talking about it. Yeah. So that's your, that's, that's your decision point here. Regardless of what the data says, if, if, if you've got a lease, if you've got a generational business, if you're determined to be in business, you have to take it by the horns and lead that experience. Yep. Amen. Can you pull up video uh, slide number three? These are the three threats that face the industry, Jeff, that uh, uh, Mike spent uh, a little bit of time on. No, that's not it. There it is. Um, yep. So the first one, you know, he covered in detail um, last year and the year before. And they're in, in a lot of ways are tied you know, very closely to each other, you know, Amazon with cheap mattresses and and ultra cheap mattresses and, and, you know, the, the lack of a consumer experience that, that customers that buy those get. And then he spent a lot of time exploring review sites and that's what we're going to dive into now. Um, I didn't really fully understand how big review sites got. And we're going to have some, some, some clips that kind of bring us into that. And I did not really view them as competitors uh, for mattress retailers, but they really are. And what was the biggest gut punch was the unfair advantage um, that they have. And we're going to play a video in a, in a couple minutes uh, on, on that, Jeff. Yep. So real quick, before we go into that video, um, yeah. you know, when, when you look at, when you look at these disruptive threats, ultra cheap mattresses, again, I, I'm one to challenge our industry often and, you know, kind of get in your face, right? Um, there's a lot of people gonna, who, who are going to listen to this show that have advertising out today, uh, advertising price points that have been advertised and inexpensive price points, cheap price points for decades. So who created this problem, right? Where it's kind of like a chicken and an egg analogy. Ultra treat mattresses, yeah, that's a disruptive threat, but look, we've been advertising cheap price points for years, all while saying a mattress can impact your health and you know, is one of the few things that can positively impact your health. Um, so I'm not sure that that's as disruptive of a threat as we'd like to think it to be. I think a lot of people make excuses for it and all while approving advertising that has, you know, $79 each piece advertising, $99 each piece, 199 queen sets. And that's some of the biggest of the big in our industry. Um, you know, Amazon cheap mattresses compete on price. Hello. That, I mean, you look at our advertising of today and that's all that it is. I mean, we've, some advertising has gone away from even showing the product. It just shows, you know, the name of the brand, the comfort, and the price. There's no more salesmanship in print. There's no more experience in print. There's no more benefit selling. There's barely any feature selling. It's here's a here's a rectangle. Yeah. Here's a price. The deal ends tomorrow. So spare me the false indignation because it's nothing but a bunch of crap. Now to point three, the review sites. Yes. This is 100% a, um, a problem. And I'm going to step back about false indignation. I don't advertise on price at all. Actually, one of the 
one of the newest ads that we're running is four reasons to buy from our store. None of it mentions price. It actually doesn't even mention a mattress or brand of mattress. It mentions the outcome, how we help you achieve the outcome. Um, so, uh, you know, when I said earlier on in the show, walk the walk, yeah, we're doing it. I don't just talk it. I don't just point fingers. Everything I do is led by actions in my own business. But these review sites, getting back there, that's, that is a, definitely a real problem. And I'm one that uh, simply wants to complete, compete on a level playing field, and we don't have that right now. Um, Pete, I was, I was really shocked. You saw my chats in the betting conference, virtual web chat room. You and I were texting simultaneous to that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was, it was a gut punch. It's a great way to explain it. You know, yeah. it, it was, it's pretty, pretty shocking what's going on there. Well, you know, in video clip number three, you guys can bring that up. Um, here's a gut punch. And, uh, and this is when I started to really freak out. Uh, what makes review sites a competitive threat to retailers? Well, again, as I said, consumers can no longer avoid them. They just, they're, they're, they're everywhere. Uh, in fact, uh, there are, uh, they have not only expanded in number, but, uh, but they've just also become much more aggressive in their uh, search engine optimization techniques. And we'll get into that a little bit more of that later. Um, another reason they're a threat is that they are retailers. I mean, fundamentally, uh, their content, uh, if I'm speaking of them, certainly as a group, their content is designed first and foremost to sell rather than to be right. Um, and they are, uh, frankly, they're pay to play. Um, so if you want to be uh, the best mattress in some category, you've got you, you've got to have uh, you got to make them the most money. Um, so uh, it's it's selling. Uh, it's just positioned as something else. Um, and the fact that they claim to be unbiased, it really does give them unfair advantages as it relates to uh, the consumer's perception. Um, and, it's, it, and, and I think it's just for me, as I thought about this from the standpoint of a retailer, uh, it's just it's so striking to me that like it's not a fair fight for you. Um, I mean, it's uh, to so it's not enough to say uh, that you need to just be better and do all these things that we talk about with omni-channel. Um, if, if, uh, if somebody's stealing signs in the dugout, you know, you're, <laughs> it's not a fair fight. Um, and uh, that's, you, you, there's, there's just um, uh, an unlevel playing field here. And so that, that's something that we need to uh, address. Um, the other thing that makes them competitors is that their economics are starting to much more closely resemble a retailer. And just you know, to, to state the obvious, a lot of people would think of us as a review site. Uh, and what I mean by this last bullet point is that their economics are starting to look a lot more like uh, a retailer's economics than they do our economics. Um, commissions are going up uh, markedly um, and, uh, and their contribution margins are starting to look a lot more like the, the business of a retailer. Gut punch. Big yeah, time pretty, gut pretty punch. scary stuff. Uh, before we go too much further, I, I want to say, um, you know, I've been working with Mike since the betting conference. Uh, Gardner's has been a partner with GoodBed, and you should be a partner too. Um, you should reach out to goodbed.com. You should uh, be a part of their referral network. Uh, Mike believes in Main Street retail. Mike's a very, very smart guy. Um, there, there are many retailers across the country that um, praise the quality of customer that GoodBed directs to their store. So if you're not on that train, you should be. Uh, it's yet another place your business can be working for you. Well, you don't have to work it. Um, you know, Mike's commitment to this presentation, this this data set of presentations over the years to me is one of the, be the best attributes and assets our industry could ask for as of late. Um, but he said something in there that is really nefarious and really kind of sets up, if I'm an attorney, and, and I'm going to go full on here and say, I miss my calling in life to, uh, to be an attorney. Um, you know, he, he said something, their goal is to sell rather than be right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And 
boy, if that doesn't sum up in one sentence, the entirety of the experience that all of that $600 million of advertising, I kind of walked us through the equation on a minute ago. If that doesn't sum up the experience that our consumers are being told they're going to have in our stores, I don't know what else does, right? Because the online guys, they say, you know, they're just out to make a commission. They're just out to sell you the highest price thing. It's terrible. It's terrible. Well, now you have these review sites that, as Mike said, their goal is to sell and not be right. And that's a problem. Uh, you know, the, the opening line when we greet our guests in our store is uh, after asking why we're shopping for a mattress, who we're shopping for, we say, listen, our number one goal is to see how our solutions fit your needs. And sometimes they don't fit and that's okay. But we're going to tell you honestly if they do and if they don't. And we're going to be right, even if it means not making a sale. And as retailers, that might be hard to hear, but you know what I'm talking about deep down in your heart of hearts when you sell the wrong thing to the wrong person, or to the wrong thing to the right person, right? When you put a big guy like me into a big fluffy pillow top, you know deep down that's going to be a problem. You know, you just know the customers that will be a problem. And now it's on us to manage. Are we fitting the right product, the right solution and working through it? Or are we just taking the money? These review sites today are just taking the money and they're doing it while saying things that are gonna get them in hot water. If I have anything to do with it, I'm gonna be you know, on the courthouse step somewhere in some district court with Mike Magnuson by my side. Pete, you can join us and it'll be Thank like you, an sir. Aaron Brockovich moment. You know, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to take them down if we can. Um, cause it's wrong. It's wrong what they're doing. Well, that's what I love about you. We, we fundamentally have the same, uh, viewpoint on business and, uh, on sales. You know, one of the things that, that, that I have on my website is we do the right thing all the time, even when it costs us money and we live it, yep. we, we live it in our business and uh, you live it every day in your business, Jeff, and you always do the right thing, even when it costs you the sale. And I've been looked at by some retailers, like I have two heads when I say that to them, but I live it in my business and you should live it in your business. We all should live it in our business. Um, the video clip that we're about to to uh, play is video clip number four, and it shows the the size of of this monster uh, called mattress review sites that I did not re realize was as big as it is. In terms of the recent developments, just to give you some context, there's now over 135 of these websites. So when I say they're everywhere, I mean, they're, they're everywhere. There's just, they're not only on page one, they're two, three, four, five, six. I mean, they're way, they're impossible to avoid. Um, their revenue is growing uh, quickly. As I mentioned, the commissions are also, uh, the percentages are going up uh, markedly over the past year or two. Um, Millions of dollars are being made at this point, probably across all these websites, uh, and it's not in any way evenly distributed, by the way, but across all of them, uh, you know, we're talking about $50 million of revenue, probably, uh, that's being made by these websites. Um, they're also becoming much more powerful and sophisticated. We're seeing, um, we're seeing a lot of consolidation, uh, for example. Here's, there's three groups that have really kind of emerged as consolidators in this space. All of them are backed by uh, venture capital or private equity. Um, Can you guys pause that? Starting to pull together portfolios of site. Can you guys pause that? That was a gut punch for me too, Jeff, right there. How big this monster is. Problem When we say these, these sites deserve to be in legal trouble, if I have anything to do with it, I'm going to be a part of that, right? Because when you're an equity bank owning a review site while also having a financial connection to the product that you're 
selling, you know, uh, and you're not connecting those dots abundantly and clearly for the consumer, it flies in the face of everything that I know about FTC law as it relates to like infomercials, as an example. If you have a two minute, five minute, 30 minute infomercial and you're endorsing the product with a consumer, you know, we've all seen it paid, you know, customer was compensated for testimonial, paid customer endorsement. You've seen the intros going into the commercial, the outros coming out of the infomercial, in the commercial branks, bookending it. All of this is mandated by law because the media changes television to internet. It does not change the law. The law is the law. If you're speeding in a pickup truck and you're speeding in your sports car, you're still getting a ticket. It doesn't change. You've, you, you break the law. It, the media doesn't change because you want it to. And it's this new thing that the government's still yet catching up to. Um, and this is the fundamental problem. And, when you, and it gets even worse. Like This isn't even the worst part. And we'll touch on that, I guess, maybe I think, I think Mike talks yeah. about this at the end of the clip, we paused, but yeah. if that, if, if it's not bad enough, it gets worse. So when you've got these companies who own the review site, then they have financial stake in these other businesses that are selling mattresses and oh, shocker, their review site says this mattress is best. You know, the consumer is owed the respect of that relationship and they're not getting it. And, and also yeah. of note, I didn't pick up on it at the betting conference, but I picked up on it here. Mike said, you know, the review site industry is about a $50 million industry. Yeah. Well, if, if my memory is correct about the top 100 list in our industry of furniture retailers, that puts them in the top 100, I believe. Maybe, in the, maybe even in the 80s. And if we look in the top 25 mm -hmm. betting retailers, it puts them in the top 25 as a, you know, as a collective industry, right? You put yeah. that bucket of revenue in there and that's just on commissions, just on commissions. So it's you know, scary. Let, let's say, let's say they're earning a 10% commission. So if we actually amateurized sales generated as an industry, if we're using a basis of 10%, that's a $500 million industry. So where does that put them in the top 25 Pro or, or the top 100 list? Probably, I think it's at least top 50. Um, yeah. And uh, in the top 25, it puts them probably in the top five. So that's, that's the headwind, right? That's the math. And we can't deny it. Um, but it does get a little worse, and we'll, we'll let the video play on, yeah. I guess, unless you had anything else yeah. to add, Pete. No, let's play. Guys, go ahead. Equity, um, and they're starting to pull together portfolios of sites, uh, both by just launching a bunch of sites as well as by acquiring them. Um, and so this is becoming professionalized, if you will. And, and by the way, I put in the title here, Magic Review Spammers are Building Portfolios of Sites. You know, one of the reasons I chose that word is because I just fundamentally, from my standpoint, don't see any reason why you would ever have multiple sites in a category other than to spam Google results. That's fundamentally the only reason to have that. Uh, I mean, we certainly have never felt any compulsion to take some of our content and put it on a different domain. And the only reason I could ever see doing that is to spam Google results so that I can have not only spot one, but also spots two, three, four, and five. Um, so that's what's happening right now. Um, they're becoming more powerful, more sophisticated, much more well-funded, um, and increasingly deceptive. Um, they're corporatized. Hey guys, um, can you pause it there for a second? Clearly revealed. I knew you were gonna do that, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Go yeah, brother, this, go. This 11-minute clip is going to turn into a, a long time, but I'll keep it short. You know, listen, the, you know, when Mike said, you know, they're they're spamming the you know, the goal is to spam, uh, spam the search result. He's absolutely right, and it it also points to what we're going to kind of diverge off the course here a touch because this is something I've been very passionate about as of late. You know, a lot of a lot of the people we as retailers in our industry go to for advice and input. 
they'll say, just get online. You have to get online. You need a shopping cart. You have to advertise on Google. You have to advertise on Facebook. Just get online. Be omnichannel. And I probably gave lip service to their statements about 50% longer than normal. The people peddling in this advice really have no understanding of what it takes to be successful online. And then they really don't understand what Mike just shared. And that's when you have large equity banks, you know, gaming the system to take the top spots on page one. And that's where the battle is. Folks, you could offer anything you want on page two and beyond, and the consumer by and large isn't even going to see it. Uh, so it's all about page one. And when you're up against these equity banks with a limitless, bottomless checkbook, uh, willing to slice and dice their content into two and three, four search results to take 20, 30, 40% of page one, it, it, it's a battle we are hard pressed to win. I'm not saying it's not possible. You just have to like juke and jive, bob and weave in a different way. Um, and, and really the answer there is having an AdWords expert in your corner. Um, helping you because that's the only way you're able to win unless you as the retailer spend an immense amount of time honing your skill in AdWords. But when these guys are taking two to three to four of the spots on page one, it's 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 nearly impossible to compete. And then, you know, I'm not going to take the thunder of the clip, but we'll we'll pick back up on what the what the what the real problem here is in a minute. So we can roll the clip again, I guess, unless you had something else, Pete. No, we're good. Let's roll. Deceptive. Um, their corporate ties um, are not clearly revealed. Uh, as I mentioned last year, there are over 20 sites that have corporate ties to mattress brands. Um, and in most cases, these ties are not readily apparent to an average consumer. Um, another, another thing is, um, they are representing themselves. This is this is just sort of like uh, emblematic of the kind of deception that they that they use. Just an example, uh, but representing themselves as charities and nonprofits as a way to garner trust from the consumer. So we talked about how just claiming to be unbiased is is one way that they garner trust unfairly vis-a-vis -vis you, a retailer. But but they take it further than that. They pretend to be uh, nonprofits. I mean, there are thousands of websites out there that have links. I'm, I don't mean to single out Tux, but they just happen to have, uh, you know, their actions happen to be fantastic examples of the kinds of uh, things that these websites are doing. Um, there are thousands of websites that out there that, that uh, claim that Tux Sleep Foundation is a nonprofit. So they went out at some point to these websites and told them that they were a nonprofit. Those websites, many of whom were nonprofits themselves, uh, linked back to them. Um, that gave them a ton of uh, uh, SEO benefit. Uh, these are sites that, like Google, would look at as very authoritative because you know here here is an organization uh, focused on childcare services. Um, here's this one here is a resource for elderly Jewish people in Washington D.C. That 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 we're told that this is a nonprofit. These are not organizations that would likely link to a, a for-profit mattress review website. Uh, but maybe linking to a nonprofit focused on sleep, that seems like something they, they might be open to. So that's what they were told, apparently. Um, this is a, a .edu domain that's known as like SEO gold. Um, here's, a, here's a .gov, again, very author considered very authoritative, all of which um, uh, were, were gained in this, in this way. Um, Another thing uh, they're doing is, uh, sorry, gotta use my, there's what we call uh, black hat SEO tactics. Um, now, uh, many of you guys uh, have heard of this organization called National Sleep Foundation. What you may not know uh, that's happened in the last uh, six months or so, maybe, maybe nine months, is that uh, the National Sleep Foundation websites, sleepfoundation.org and sleep.org, have been acquired and are now run by Tuck. They're now mattress review websites. Um, this all happened kind of very silently under the radar. In fact, if you go to sleepfoundation.org's homepage right now, you'll have no sense of this, that this change took place uh, in that there's no 
mattress reviews mentioned on the homepage that might raise attention to this or raise an eyebrow from the likes of people, researchers and academians and, and uh, other folks who have um, kind of become used to going to this website and treating it as a real authoritative resource. Um, so those websites are now uh, mattress review websites. Um, and it has been uh, a, a, a raging success in, in the sense of tricking Google. Uh, Google uh, basically has looked at these websites, which are 25 to 30 year old websites with tons of backlinks coming from re medical researchers and universities and all kinds of uh, hugely authoritative websites, all of whom believed at the time and, and were right in believing that they were linking to a nonprofit organization. And uh, as a result, that incredible backlink authority uh, was, was very powerful and it was seen as a very authoritative website. So when they decided to add content like best mattress of 2020 and best mattress for, you know, side sleepers or whatever, they, uh, Google thought, wow, this must be the most definitive article there is on this topic. And they started ranking them very highly or very quickly. Um, so again, that's a very aggressive black hat SEO technique in my mind. I mean, I guess that's my opinion that it's black hat. There's no rule book per se, but uh, certainly it, it would appear to me that those links were bought and buying links is the number one verboten rule, uh, according to Google. Um, so uh, the other thing that's worth noting, by the way, here is I was, I've been surprised to see how the National Sleep Foundation continues to be uh, uh, kind of complicit in all this. They're the uh, the trademarks of the National Sleep Foundation apparently are, are authorized for ongoing use by sleepfoundation.org, by the Tuck team. So um, it's very confusing to the consumer. Not only is it a .org, not only is it um, the word foundation is in the URL, um, giving the consumer a very clear sense that this is a charity that they're getting information from, not a for-profit uh, organization. But on top of that, um, they're actually able to use National Sleep Foundation trademarks uh, of an actual charity that's 25, 30 years old. So Jeff, is there no <laughs> bottom to the hypocrisy and to the, I don't even know what to call it without using swear words. So I'm going to let you <laughs> talk now because I just feel like using yeah, I mean, the F-bomb left and right right now. Yeah. I mean, who knew, who knew you could be such a massive slime ball and be so successful in life, right? I mean, I, I equate what you just heard as a, as a viewer here on the show. Um, if you were a lying, cheating, criminal scumbag in your community and your newspaper still took your ads and ran them with all the promises you've never kept, all the claims that have never been made, all the prices that were never honored, and they kept doing it, at some point your community would, would call you out to the local newspaper and the newspaper would stop running your ads. Uh, and things like that have happened, right? Because eventually the newspaper gets sucked in and the bill doesn't get paid and there's all kinds of problems. Right. You know, but not is the case, that's not the case online. In fact, uh, Google is complicit in this and allows, um, allows it to continue. And it's really sad that it, A, is allowed to continue, um, but uh, B, um, it continues and they get to get their clicks at a discounted rate because they're tied to these .edu, these .org, these backlinked blog posts. So they get to buy their advertising at a 50% discount. Never in a million years did I think, I mean, listen, I'm not naive enough to, to know that, to not think that, you know, people don't get ahead by being dishonest. That, that happens all the time in our world. But for them to get ahead and then be rewarded by their media partners, that's, that's like the gut punch I just can't take. Uh, yeah. it, and it's really sad because 
when when you have the cacophony of people saying get online spend your money there and they don't really help, you know tell you all that needs to happen so you go do it you're wasting money just in and of itself there because we did it right we managed our own adwords for a long time and we thought we were we were doing a good job of it but boy were our eyes open when we had a professional come do it so there's there's a ton of waste that happens just as it is until you learn it uh, and the only way to stop it is having a team or an expert you outsource to but these companies have teams of experts in-house gaming this system and they're able to buy the ads at half the price uh, because Google rewards uh, that click because of the .org, because of the .edu designation, um, they just they pay less per click because it's a more trusted, supposed more trusted, more connected link to the search, and that's just not right. Again, I go back to the the trade law. Um, when you when you are not disclosing the connections the way you are. Um, or the way that you should be, uh, that's problematic. That, that flies in the face of everything that I've come to understand in my 20 years of owning businesses about law and about the way you have to advertise your business. So we'll continue to work to uncover it and go down that road. But then when you yep. get into the whole buying ads at a discount because you're using nefarious tactics, well, now you delve into another agency's purview, the SEC, because now you're, it's it's unfair competitive advantages, right? Um, so yep. it's now two alphabet agencies that we get to work and navigate through, which is not easy. But again, we're you know I know Michael is committed to this. I'm committed to it. Uh, it's why we're carving out time to do this show. But that's the reality, right? So when people you know the the conversation here is is many faceted. When people are telling you just to get online, you know I, I wonder have they spent this much time on this one part of the topic? And I don't think they have. Um, no. You know, so so you need to take with a grain of salt the people who are giving you advice to go online. Um, and you also need to understand the uphill battle that exists. You know, when you have these review sites connecting the dots like they are yep. in the way that they are, which is just totally wrong. Uh, it's just not, yep. it's not, it's not right at all. Can you pull up slide number four? And we're, we're going to dive into to 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 the math uh, on on how unfair the fight really is. There we go. So so this is exactly what you were alluding to uh, before in detail. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, so I mean, so they're able the, to. They're able to outbid you, traditional retailers, for ads because of things that have been allowed to happen that should have never happened. And yep. their willingness to pimp out um, domains that they shouldn't be. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it, and, comes, and in, it comes in the conversion rate, right? They're getting twice the clicks. So, you know, it, for, for every $10 that I spend on AdWords, uh, I get five clicks and they get um, 10 clicks. I mean, you only pay for the ad when it gets clicked. Um, yep. But they're buying that click at, at such a deeply discounted rate that it, it just, it's, it's, it's unfair competition. Is, is, there's no other way to say it. And that's exactly what's happening here. And they've used these these black hat technologies, or not technologies, techniques, to to make it happen. Uh, Google is complicit in it. You know, there was a thing years ago. Um, a friend of mine in uh, in the marketing world, uh, serial entrepreneur, came up with a a software to basically tell large player Google AdWords and Facebook ad advertisers, you know, people spending. Twenty, thirty, fifty thousand, hundred thousand dollars a month. That's his core client, and he was able to show people how uh, upwards of forty percent of their clicks were bot generated. They weren't real people, um, and he, wow. you know, he was able to go back to the Facebook and go back to Google and give them the report and give them the evidence and get the money back. You know, 
And, you know, Google and Facebook realized this was a problem and they realized companies were onto them providing this service, which they were smart enough to realize, hey, if we don't stop this, if we don't put something into our algorithms and into our ad sets to protect our, our people paying us to advertise, we're going to end up in court in a big, big way. So they, you know, well, it was nice that these people created this industry. Their business was also taken away because the advertisers um, got right. You know, they fixed the problem. But this one doesn't seem to be having a, a fix to it. Um, even when it's right in front of their face, you know, they're, they're, they know they're being gamed and that's a problem. And if they don't know, it's a problem. It's kind of like the scene from Casino where uh, De Niro's characters is, is uh, dressing down the, the father-in-law or not the father-in-law, but the uncle of the cousin that got fired. And he says, you know, look, if this buffoon knew it was in, the fix was in, it's a problem. And if he didn't know the fix was in, it's a problem. Either way, Either way. he's got to go. And that's where we're at. Like if Google's not going to recognize this is a problem, it doesn't change the fact that it's a problem. Right. So it just needs to be addressed. Right. Can you guys pull up slide five? That's an, really an extension of slide four. No, that's six. So, so basically, you know, they're able to outbid us uh, for ads. And as a retailer, you know, you can't offer a great experience to a customer that never comes into your store. You can be the best, Jeff, and you are, but they don't make it to your store. There's no opportunity uh, there. And that's the problem. Uh with all of these tactics that are being employed and uh, is getting the, uh, the the customer into the store, uh, you know, unless the retailer goes about it in a different way. And I want you to talk about that a little bit. Uh, as a matter of fact, you know, let's pull up slide six and, and then we'll pull up slide seven. And then I want to talk to you about what can be done additionally here's Mike's, uh, what can be done. You know, one of the important points, everything that, that they have now is predicted on the fact that consumers believe that they are trustworthy and we need to expose them that they're not trustworthy. And if consumers really knew everything that we talked about today, they wouldn't believe these sites are trustworthy. If consumers find a viable alternative to trustworthy, they would stop using these sites altogether. Can you guys pull up yep. seven? We need to educate our consumers with the truth through PR, through sales training on our individual websites. And Jeff, you know, I know you spent a lot of time educating, you know, your, your brother retailers on, you know, how to execute websites better and how to execute, you know, customer experiences better. Um, we as an industry have to get the word out to the consumer. The consumers are being blindsided. They have no idea of the amount of deception that, that they're being exposed to. They have no idea of the phoniness of the messaging that they've been getting. And, uh, you know, versus retailers who really focus on providing a great experience uh, for their for their customers like you do. What do you want to add? Well, I think the you know the thing to to kind of work through again a, a takeaway point of listening to the show. It, it's imperative that you and your staff are engaging the customer and asking them where else have you shopped, what have you researched, what sites have you visited, so we get an understanding of where their mind is at. And when we hear, you know, why, you know, I've, I've looked at a lot of review sites, I say, all right, time out. I want to, I want to propose to you uh, one thing here. When you look at a site like Consumer Reports, which is the supposed gold standard of unbiased consumer reporting, 
when you look at the fact that in the last three to, three to four years, their rankings have entirely flip-flopped from the legacy brands, the brands you know, Mrs. Customer, the Simmons of the world, the Sealy's of the world, used to be at the top. Now they're at the bottom. And it's just in three or four years' time. And their testing methodology hasn't changed. Their, their, um, the things they look for in a quality mattress haven't changed. None of that's changed. But why is it that a mattress that they rated as tremendous to make you happy for 10 years, the full length of the warranty just three years ago, why is that now at the bottom and these online companies are at the top? And the answer is found when you read the fine print in their magazine and on their website that says they are compensated. Well, for consumer reports, you know, they've gone down the road of connecting to the car dealer websites, the electronics websites, the appliance websites. They've navigated all commissionable opportunities. Mattresses is the one that came along as of recent. Connecting to the review sites is the one that came along as of recent. Connecting directly to the retailers is the one that came along as of recent. And you need to look no further. Consumer Reports is a public, or I'm sorry, is a true nonprofit entity. As such, their tax returns are online. I've done the research. I've challenged some in our industry to do the research, to put it on their stage and their media that's yet to be done. But when you look at the tax returns, you see something very interesting. In the time in which mattresses have flip-flopped, their commissions have grown exponentially um, in, you know, in that category of commissionable sales. And you know, electronics, appliances, cars, a lot of that's gone online years ago. But the thing that's new is, is the online mattress sale. So it's not, it's not hard to connect the dots to show people that consumer reports, even the gold standard has fallen. So if they can't be trusted, how can any of these other 130 plus websites be trusted? And unless you start really digging in and looking at the fine print, you'd never know. And I say to the customers, listen, Mrs. Customer, I've got a choice. Seven days a week and I point, you know, I point to my door and I say, I've got a choice. I can make people happy when they walk in here, or I can make them upset. And you get to look me in the face and make that decision. And everything about our experience here is about making you happy, helping you find the right fit for your needs. So if you're ready to dig in, let's do that. And that's how we, that's, that's what we're doing. And it's not easy. It's not um, a, a conversation that's easily handled by most RSAs but it's one you need to commit to and it's one you need to continue to train on and understand or you're just gonna keep losing sales unfairly to other outlets, other avenues. Jeff, if there are retailers out there that want to um, learn more about how they can be more successful, can you talk just a minute or two about your alliance and how they can get in touch with you, with, sure. your, with your alliance? Yeah, I mean, you know, first and foremost, I'm, I'm passionate about this industry. I want to see, you know, the Main Street retail succeed. It's something that was a part of my upbringing as a child. Uh, my one grandfather was an entrepreneur for years and years. My other grandfather um, became an entrepreneur later in his life with his cabinetry skills uh, after working for somebody for years. Uh, my father, my my uncles, you know, we're an entrepreneurial family. I believe in that as part of our society, I believe it's important. Um, so for me, that's why I'm very passionate about this topic. I'm passionate about helping other, you know, fellow retailers succeed in, in, in our industry. Uh, for seven years, I've been a voice to help Main Street independent retailers succeed. Um, recently formed the National Alliance of Sleep Better Specialists. The whole goal here is to curate about 100 to 150 really great retailers that are gonna be able to deliver the experience that we've talked about today. And the Alliance long-term is about creating a portal for consumers to connect with really great retailers and, and give retailers a platform uh, through podcasts, through blog posts, through one-on-one -on -one connections that we make as the Alliance to direct them into their store. That's the long-term goal. But we need a good foundation uh, as retailers. I wrote my newest book, Seven Habits, Super Successful Retailers. Um, 
you can get that. And, and this provides you the foundation for that, that mindset, that experience needed in your store to, um, to be somebody that my alliance would welcome, that the alliance would recommend. And uh, that's the place to start. So um, the, the link to get that would be naosbs.com uh, forward slash book, and you can get the book there. Awesome. The only way to combat bad information is to put out good information. And that's uh, something that you've been doing for many years. And, and we as an industry, uh, thank you very much for that, Jeff. On another note, it's like book. Can you guys see this? Show off no? the books. We're show, showing off our books. Sell a million is 101 techniques, strategies, tactics, how to get more business in your store and how to do it more profitably. You can get it on Amazon. Jeff, many of our conversations led to this book. Um, I had a lot of help along the way, uh, but you were the biggest influence in, in this book. Uh, so many of our conversations and, and things that um, we had talked about over over a period of time are are in here, and I've been surprised at how well this has weathered um, the last few years. It's actually more relevant today than it was when I first wrote it. Um, so, guys, pick up it's it's fourteen ninety nine on Amazon. You know what can you get for fourteen ninety nine? You can't even buy lunch for fourteen ninety nine for you and a colleague. So. So, so grab this, grab Jeff's book, join Jeff's Alliance and start putting out information to help that retail consumer get better information and, and help your stores do more business with more well-educated consumers who really are onto these spammy uh, review sites and, and understand just, just what has happened to them in the last few years. Jeff, thanks for being well, with thank, me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Another great conversation with Pete Primo. Happy you got the Pete Primo show running here. Very cool format. So I hope people grab onto it. Um, you know, information is great, but the experience is what's going to win. So, you know, when you have the right information, it's easy to build the experience. Um, connect with guys like Pete. Selfish plug, connect with guys like me. Um, you know, I think you really have to ask yourself, who are you getting information from today? Uh, our industry is in an interesting time in its genesis and history, and there's not a lot of betting people at the top anymore, not like there used to be. And uh, I think we need more of them. So guys like Pete, guys like me, uh, other smart people that are in our circles uh, certainly are good people to connect to. And uh, with that, Pete, I really appreciate you having me on the show. Thanks a million and sell a million. Take care. Thank you.